0: Welcome to Grace Harvest Church's weekly podcast. For more information about Grace Harvest Church, or to find out more about something you hear during the podcast, visit us online at graceharvestchurch.org. Now listen in and allow God to speak to you through this week's message. Amen. Um, The key thought for today is we pursue people because Jesus pursues people. That's the key thought. Um, the first passage I'd kind of want to set us up with is out of Luke 15. You can, it's not going to be on the screens. You can follow along in your Bible or you can listen. Um, Jesus is hanging out with some tax collectors and some Pharisees are nearby. And he begins to tell them two different parables. So it's out of Luke 15. I'm going to read it. It says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. One man of you having a hundred, or what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he had lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that he lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together all his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. He continues on with the second parable. We pursue people because God pursues people. I feel like in our journey of life, most of us find someone where, I like to call it like a divine connection that you have with someone. Somebody will come across your path in work, at the gym, or at life, and you'll have a heart for that person. You're like, man, I don't know what it is, but I need to invest into this person. I need to keep this person close to me. I need to meet with this person. I need to spend time with this person. And a lot of times, it sometimes doesn't make sense, right? You just feel like that person was laid on your heart. And that's incredibly easy and actually really, really fun when the person is uh, not difficult, right? <laughs> when the person is very, very humble, willing to learn, willing to be taught. Willing to receive correction, it's a really, really fun time to spend time. Or maybe you just mesh well. You mesh well with this person where you feel like the Lord laid it on your heart, and you're like, man, we get along. We got the same interests and hobbies. This is awesome. And in and through the mix, you're fulfilling what you feel like you need to do. You're fulfilling that thing of investing inside that person. This all changes, actually, though. When that person is difficult, (laughs) right? And we have those people in our life where we feel like we need to invest into their life, but man, they are so difficult. Those are the people where you feel like they take two steps forward and then they take two steps back (laughs) or five steps back, (laughs) Those are the people where you feel like you've wasted so much time, energy and resources on where you feel like you're like, man, I've spent way too many nights, way too late on the phone talking to this person. I've spent way too much money on fuel driving this person around. I've had this person sit and sleep on my couch way too many times because they are down and out. And I've bought this person way too much food, and they're still going in the wrong direction, right? But all that doesn't matter. The resources, the time, and the energy doesn't matter. Where you feel like that person is laid on your heart, and you feel like you have to invest into them. It goes past the natural. It goes past what even people naturally see what would happen. And people around you, and I'm sure if you you have somebody like this in your life, they're like, you're crazy. Why are you spending so much time with them? Why are you investing so much in them? I don't even see any difference happening in their life. Why are you doing this? And a lot of times, the only response you can have back is, because I feel like I have to. I feel compelled by something that I have to do this, that I have to invest into them, that I have to spend time and resources and energy. And I don't know what's happening on the surface, but I believe something's happening down deep because it's not natural. And as a Christian, you need to understand that those movements of the Holy Spirit aren't a natural thing. They're supernatural. Though this thing that transcends how you would think, and you feel like you must invest, oh man, because you feel like you have to. And it's really simple, and it's really compelling, and it's really difficult at times. It makes no natural sense. A few years ago, I uh, ended up developing a friendship with, uh, he's a good friend still to this day while I lived in Portland. And when we first met and kind of hung out and talked a little bit, he was one of those people where I had on the surface, like nothing similar with. (laughs) Similar interests? No. Similar hobbies? No. (laughs) Similar background? No. No. Everything was kind of different. And so I remember writing him off thinking, I don't want to spend time with this person really. I mean, we don't even share a lot of things. He wants to go do this. I want to go do this. And so life kind of went on. And then I I really felt to spend some time with this person and maybe have a real conversation with him, like a real conversation. So I finally took some time and I sat down and I began to, Ask a lot of questions about his life and his upbringing. And when I begin to scratch through the surface, what lied below is, man, we don't look similar or act similar, but man, we get along, right? (laughs) Once we got past the shallow and we got into the little bit of the depths of who we are, we begin to realize, wow, I was like, I love you, man. Like, (laughs) this is awesome, and we begin to have this really beautiful friendship. Life moves on. And every time I kind of wanted to go hang out with him, he had this really, and this is me speaking in the time, an annoying habit of hanging out with annoying people. <laughs> and I remember walking into his room and being like, yeah, we're going to kick it. It's going to be fun, talk about movies, life, theology. And I came into his room. And they're sitting on his couch is the person that no one wants to hang out with. The person that everyone kind of avoids. The person where everyone kind of short or shortens their conversations with. The person where they start talking and they start doing this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> if people say that to you, they want to stop talking. <laughs> Those people were always in his room. And I'd come in and I would always get annoyed because I'd always sit down and I'd want to hang out with him, but then I was hanging out with him. And this happened time and time again. And he wasn't a Christian as long as I was. He was older than I was though. And I began to notice a pattern as I began to hang out with him. He would laugh a lot when he hung out with those types of people. Laugh a lot. And finally, one day, in the absence of those people, I'd like, what are you laughing at? Like, what is so funny to you when you hang out? And he's like, he's like dude, it's, it's just joy. He goes, I laugh because how differently they're made than me. I could sit there in wonder and in awe and be like, you ain't nothing like me. But, man, I kind of like you. <laughs> I could sit there and be like, wow. Jesus made you so different. It's a little funny how you think, but man, I love you right where you're at. And he taught me something that marked me and changed me as a person. It changed me. He began to impart something to me that even to this day, I'm very, very different from it. That when I encounter people who are a little different or a little awkward, I will usually lean into that relationship and just be like, you're crazy, but I love you. (laughs) You're a little different, but this is a good time. This is fun. And I find myself having the same reaction he did as I find myself laughing and being like, wow, Lord, you made us so different and diverse, but man, wonderfully and beautifully made. Amen? Out of that, I was forever changed, and now I kind of want to take a moment and tell a story about how Jesus pursues people. We pursue people as Christians because Jesus pursues people. At this time, ushers, would you be able to hand out those paper maps again? The ushers will be handing out these uh, the maps of the time in the place where Jesus was and where he traveled, I feel like sometimes there's a disconnect, maybe in my brain only, is I feel like sometimes we read scripture and we take ourselves too far out of the story. Where sometimes we don't think this is a real place, in real people, with real scenarios, in real atmospheres, in real cultures. And so I wanted to give you this so you could see something about a real story that happened in a real place at a real time to a real person in this encounter she had with Jesus. I'm going to begin to tell the story, the entire story of John 4. We're going to read a big portion of scripture. This won't be on the screen. John 4, 4 through 30. Jesus and the woman of Samaria. Or... Very commonly known for maybe some of you that have read the Bible for a long time, Jesus and the woman at the well. <clears throat> John 4, 4 through 30. Here we go. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, He left Judea and departed again for Galilee. So you can see on your map, kind of more on the bottom portion, Judea. He's in the Judea countryside, Judea hillside. And he was making his way up to the top, to Galilee, to that area. During that time, he was preaching and doing that time, that type of thing. And it said that he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sakar. Say Sakar. Sakaar, important. You can find that on your map kind of in the middle between um, Judea and Samaria. You see Sakaar right in the middle. Near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Jacob well well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. And it was about the sixth hour of the day. Sixth hour being noonish, being the hot time of the day. If you're in Moses Lake, the time of day where you die, if you're in the middle of the East, because it's so dang hot in the Middle East. (laughs) Don't go outside at noontime, they say. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you... A Jew asked for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he had given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with in the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons in his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of living water or a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband. For you have five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Say, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Zing! (laughs) The woman said back to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Yep. (laughs) Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, And, who, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ when he comes and he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that Jesus was talking with the woman but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. We pursue people because Jesus pursues people. People matter. People matter. When you begin to look at this story, there's some key things that I feel like we can read over really quickly. And so the first thing I want to do is put up John 4, 3 through 5. It says this. It says, he, being Jesus, left Judea, you can see that on your map, and moved up to Galilee. And then it said this little line, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sakar. He had to. When you look at the map, he was up in the countryside, and that was a way he could take. It was one of the shorter routes he could take. But I believe there was something more to he had to. There was a moment there where Jesus felt, I have to meet this one person. I know I'm in the middle of busy things. I know I'm in the middle of ministry. I know I'm traveling from one thing to another. I know I'm tired, but I have to do this thing. So he begins to travel from Judea up to Sikar. Sakkar was this place, it actually... The name translated is called the end. (laughs) Ominous, right? (laughs) It's just the end. The Jews had a lot of derogatory language that they would throw with Sakkar. They'd call it drunkard and liar. And so they had a lot of disdain for the city. Culturally speaking at the time, Jews being a people group and Samaritans being another people group would not associate with each other. The Jews considered Samaritans dirty, unworthy, and unable to be even saved by God's grace. So they stayed separate at all measures and all costs, naming and even talking about their cities with disdain and hate. And so picture with me, Jesus is in Judea doing all these amazing things, and Jesus taking his disciples, which some of them are Jewish, traveling up through these dusty roads, the hill country, resting and eating. And finally, Jesus comes to this little town, Sakar, the end. And he goes, hey, we're going to stop here. I need a drink. And they go, people don't stop here. This is a city and a town and a place where you don't stop. Jews, we, a lot of us, we don't stop here. There's Samaritans here. This town is dirty. This town is little, very small. And he goes, yeah, but kind of, you see on the right side out of the road, about a mile, Jacob's well's there, and I have to go there. You have to go to this little backwater town, okay? And you're going to draw water. What, you're drawing water? At the sixth hour of the day, in the middle of the day, in the Middle East, it's hot. What are you talking about, Jesus? This is, this makes no sense. And I can find myself even looking at the text and Jesus be like, I know, but I have to. You have to? It makes no sense. He's like, let's just go. Jesus and his disciples go down into Sakkar, the end about a mile off the road. And his disciples separate from him and go into town to look for food. Not an easy thing because Sakaar was very small, very limited on resources, and a lot of travelers didn't want to stop there. And Jesus sat down at a well. And while he was waiting there, a, a woman shows up. Now, for you to even understand even furthermore, Women in biblical times were lesser than men. a Really backwards were a way to think. And even culturally, it's sometimes even difficult to understand that with our now understanding of women. But they were considered lesser than men. On top of that, this woman was a Samaritan. Jesus was a Jew. So you have this huge disparaging between differences. She was a woman. She was a Samaritan. She was in this backwater little town called The End. And Jesus was sitting there waiting for her. On top of that, to even add to the list of how lowly she is, she was drawing water in the middle of the day. Why? It's because she had slept with so many people in this little town of Sakkar, And can you even imagine her going to the well during the cool hours of the day and the women around the well drawing water and you've slept with some of their husbands? There's a reason why she was out there in the middle of the day during the hot time. She didn't wanna be around them because she was ashamed, because she did the wrong thing. Jesus, knowing all of this, why are you here to talk to this woman? Because I have to. I'm going to talk to this woman who's at the lowest of the low. A woman, a Samaritan, tiny town, bad reputation, full of sin, shame, probably the lowest of the low in Sakkar, bottom barrel. In Jesus, altering and changing As he does ministry to thousands, stops in this moment where it makes no natural sense because simply I have to go to Sakar. I have to do this. I feel like I have to and I have to invest into this one person, this one woman who I gain nothing from. She has nothing to offer me. I won't gain reputation status from helping her. She has no finances for me, but it's simply because I feel like I have to. He stopped for one. People matter. We pursue people as Christians because simply Jesus pursues people. I want you to even be reminded as I I was prepping for today, I feel like we all, maybe I think many of you currently, you have that person, that woman of the well person in your life right now, where you feel like you are so tired of using your resources, where you're so tired of maybe taking time out of your busy life, and when even you would look at it and analyze it, and you'd be like, this don't make sense why I'm I feel like I need to help this person, but I can't shake the feeling that I have to help this person. I have a part to play in their story. I have a part to play in the situation. And I don't know why I do it, but simply because I feel like I have to. People matter divinely and beautifully, not from what you can gain from them, what not from their their social status, but because simply they're beautifully and wonderfully made. I feel like there is people in this room where you're a little tired from pouring into people where you're like, Lord, I just I know I have a heart for them, but I'm getting tired. I believe that by random circumstances. That I'd probably call divine, you find yourself sitting here, and I'm talking about the very thing is, and the word of the Lord for you is don't give up on that person. Don't. Pray for them, cry with them, pick them up again, because it's what Jesus does, it's what Christians do. We invest into people, not because it makes sense. It doesn't make sense. It never makes sense. Not because it's convenience. Not because you're going to gain something of it. Be, because simply because you feel the Holy Spirit telling you what to do, you feel compelled in the deepest part of who you are. I got to do this. And I feel like today, if you're sitting here, the word of the Lord is: don't give up on that person. People matter. You matter. Jesus has not forgotten that person. Or maybe you're kind of waning in tiredness. Jesus didn't forget this woman at the well. The lowest you could go. He made time for her. Went out of the way for her. Told her everything she ever did. And yet. I think we all need to kind of be reminded now on the other side. Where we have people in our life. Those women at the well people, those Samaritan women. But I want you to be reminded from where you came from, from, when I came from. Because at one point in your life, you were that person at the well. That person where you felt you were at your lowest, where you felt like you're like, I don't even want to be around people, so I'm going to go to the store at weird hours. You were that person where you felt like you didn't deserve God's grace, where you felt the lowest of the low, when you're in a small town, your reputation is bad, you had nothing to give, and yet the grace of God was there for you. Beautiful and radical. And there was people in your life that said, I believe in you. There was people in your life that were Jesus to you, While you were at the well, there was that person that picked you up, that listened to your phone call, that gave you some food. There was those people in your life that were Jesus to you. I feel like there are people in this room you need to be refreshed and reminded that people matter. Not from what you can get. And I know it doesn't make sense. We we love to argue in our head in the natural. It's useless because it's supernatural. (laughs) We pursue people because Jesus pursues people.